is to preach. And this time has come again. This is your time, brother. <laughs> come on up and bring us the word of the Lord tonight. We appreciate Brother Dominic and all he means to us in our church. And God bless him. Well, praise the Lord. Somebody say, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but this is a prophetic way. Let me tell you why. You're, you're getting it as soon as I say it. i am only got one text as a verse. And Rich, if you would, put that on there. The title of what I'm going to speak about is Reflecting on Wise Living. Now, that verse is the only verse in the Bible that we call the birthday verse. See, that's the prophetic part. I didn't know it was her birthday. But see, the Holy Ghost knows how to put the message together to minister to everybody, specifically to those on this day, December 6th. Now, happy birthday, Patsy. Let me just tell you, and I am pumped. I got to look at my clock, 35 minutes. That put me right at 8 o'clock, and I had my timer set for 35 minutes. I'll tell you, this is getting good. It's all coming together. Church, this is our moment. We will never have this moment again. This moment is now. For the things of God, it's now. Oh, get off this platform. I'm, I'm a walking, preaching, and moving machine, so I just got to be me. Some can stay behind the pulpit. and this, We called it, when I was a young preacher boy, we called the pulpit the sacred desk. Some can stay behind the sacred desk, but I like to run on for Jesus. So I just want you to know that I'm going to run a little bit. Thinking about today's message, reflecting on it, today is my granddaughter's birthday. She shares it with Patsy. She is six years old, and in the Rodriguez household, we do several things as traditions. One is we take them out to meals. We've uh, already had that happening as I'm here. But this year, Wanda has always called her granddaughter the princess, baby princess. So Mama did something, ordered stuff online, and then she assembled it in the guest bedroom, which where my daughter, when she comes, she's granddaughter comes, she sleeps there. I didn't know that you could get online a blow-up vinyl pink Princess Palace. So Wanda says, we got to, we're, we're, she's opening gifts today, and she's putting her finger in the, in the, you know, she's just being six years old, being a princess. And then my wife says, come on, all of y'all, we got to go to the bedroom. So we come into the red bedroom, and I'm, I'm hamming it up here. I'm getting all excited because it's my only granddaughter, and I love her with my life. And we go to the room, and it's a pink palace. And it's got the little flags and gold. And, and then Wanda, Wanda says to her granddaughter, Melania, open it up, because it had curtains where you could open, and go inside. There's something else in there. And she's just tickled pink right now. She's all excited. Last weekend, we had heard through our church bulletin about toys for the children in Puerto Rico. So I told Wanda, go to the blessing account, get whatever you need to get, 
Let's bless the children of Puerto Rico. But she took it a step further. We're talking about wise living. I wanted my grandchildren to learn how blessed they are by giving and helping to wrap those gifts to the children in Puerto Rico. So I'm walking my I'm walking Wanda's dog with a pink leash, and I'm a retired military man walking around my neighborhood with a dog on pink leash. That's not a good visual for a guy like me. It just doesn't do. It doesn't warm me up. It doesn't get me really going. You know, Charlie, you can relate. You know, pink leash, dog with a bow, GI Joe guy retired walking around. It's just not a good thing. But in that walking moment with that dog. My wife was teaching stewardship and missionary giving to our grandchildren. And when as soon as I got into the house, she said, now go tell Papa what we're doing. And Papa, we, we, we got all these toys that we're giving. I said, how does that make you feel? Oh, wow, it makes me feel good. There's kids in Puerto Rico that need that. And then I, I took a moment, because I knew it was a God moment. And I took this reflection and said, those kids probably will not have anything to celebrate unless we give. And when you grow up and you're financially secure, don't forget to be generous in your giving, because Jesus gave it all. And that little moment of reflection sparked in them. Uh, they were joyful. They were happy. They were excited. And they got there, and it was like, wow, for them. Now, uh, Melania is not the only one that has a birthday this month. My son-in-law, Joshua's birthday is this month. And I celebrate my 60th this month. So we got all these birthday celebrations. But I want to read this Bible verse, which is the text for tonight's meeting. Psalms 90, written by Moses. Verse number 12. So teach us to number our days. How many of you know we celebrate birthdays, and when they get to be a certain age, we don't want to tell the number no more, you know? Can I get a witness on that? Okay. I'm the only one raising my hand on that. Okay, I've got some folks in the back row with me. Okay. All right. So teach us to number our days. Now get the second half of the verse, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The dictionary defines wisdom this way, marked by deep understanding, keen discernment, and a capacity for sound judgment. How many of you know, ain't none of us born wise? Uh, thank God, only one amen in the crowd. How many of us are born wise? Because we we're a baby. We, we don't even know what to do when we're born. We have to have someone take care of us. Now, I have three points about wisdom. Street-wise, money-wise, and Bible-wise. When I was a young man raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and this is probably all my life I've been a Philadelphia Eagle fan. This is our finest year. And Dwight and I have a, been have a thing going on because he's, he's connected to Philadelphia Eagles and we got all excited and, and then we got embarrassed this past Sunday and so now, now we're dealing with reality. But Streetwise speaks about relationships and social settings. 
I'm going to tell you a streetwise, foolish experience of mine. I had a great cousin. He was the most physically gifted member in my family. And my cousin Bo could bench press a high number of weights. He looked like Popeye with those muscles that he had. But Bo had no kind of wisdom at all. Physically strong, looked like Hercules Unchained, and was as foolish as they come. I'm just, I'm being honest, my cousin Bogart. His name is Jose, but he loved to be called Bogart because he loved Humphrey Bogart, the tough guy on TV. We're dating ourselves, okay? Some of you can relate, and some of you younger ones can't relate to Humphrey Bogart. He was a tough guy back in the day. So my cousin Bo goes to my daddy, and he's whispering some things to me. We're going to go out. We're going to date some girls. We're going we're gonna to do some good time, Dominic. And, and I'm only 16. I'm 16 years old, young and foolish, and definitely a risk taker at that stage in my life. Well, Cousin Bo, he takes me, and as he's taking me to go outside the house, my dad smells a rat. He said, Dominic, Bo, get in here. Where are you guys going? Well, Uncle Domingo, we're, we're going to go out on the town in Philadelphia. Dominic worked, and he's spending my money for the good time. You know what I'm saying? I was foolish. He should have spent his own money. But anyway, that's another story. But here's the thing. I was not wise. My cousin Bo lied to my daddy. I should have realized right there we were in for a bad night. And my cousin Bo took me to my first crack house in Philadelphia. Now, I want you to know something. I'm going to be 60 of this month. I have never smoked wacky tobacco at all. I just didn't like smoking. I saw what it did to my family members that died of cancer. And I made a commitment. I wasn't going to smoke. But what I did not know, because I was young and foolish, was that you can get high on contact smoke. That means in the crack houses, they smoke it up so much, it's like a purple haze, a big old cloud. Uh, so some of you can relate to that, uh-huh. You've been to those crack houses too? Okay. All right. Well, here's what I did. We went inside. Cousin Bo bought a nickel worth of crack. That's a $50 bag back in those days. And he's smoking it up in the crack house. You want some, cuz? No, I don't want none. I don't do that. I had some sense. And guess what happened? I started breathing in the air normally. We get done. We've only been there maybe 15 minutes. Because the expense of that drug, money goes by fast. And once you're done with money, they want you out of the house because they want the next customer to come in. So it's like a quick experience. But in 15 minutes, I had gotten high off a of contact smoke. I'm walking around, and I'm, I'm not hallucinating, but I am, like, a little paranoid, walking around with a lot more pep in my step than normal. And all of a sudden, we go to a house party, 
where my best friend as a kid growing up was. And my best friend had a thing that he hated. And I was his best buddy. I knew the buttons to push on Manuel Rodriguez. Had the same last name. He looked like the guy, he looked like a younger version of Rocky. Big barrel-chested man. I mean, he was stronger than my cousin Bo. But Manny had a name that the kids used to make fun of in school. He had one name that he didn't want nobody to pick on him. Once he, that name went, that, that mocking name went out, he, he's ready to fight. We never fought in 18 years of our life. But on that night, on that day, we did. And he beat the living mess out of me. A high person can't fight nobody. I'd swing, pow, he hit me. Swing, pow, he hit me again. And one time he did an overhead, and, and he hit my my skull, broke his finger on my skull. That's how, I mean, when you're high on drugs, you don't feel no pain. The next day, I felt a lot of pain. But that day, I didn't feel any pain. I'm going somewhere with this now. Stick with me. I was very foolish as a young man. It was the grace of God and my mother's prayer, because I had a praying mother, that kept me safe and out of harm's way. When we got home that day, my brand new, I don't know if you remember back in those days, I wore bell bottoms. Some of you, okay, okay, I'm looking at you now. Fashion's relating to some of you. I had the real flowery Caribbean and the parakeet shirt back then was popular. And I had on a flowery parakeet shirt, which Manuel tore up to shreds. And my mom was saying, boy, what were you doing last night? We just got a phone call from Manuel's mom. I don't know what happened, mom. What would happen? And then Manuel's mom said, we will never, ever be friends with you and your family ever again. A family relationship and friendship of 18 years done because of my foolishness. I called him the name that he hated. His name was Bushead. He had a big old head. And, and any kid in school that called him Bushead, he, he, he'd beat him up. Sometimes he'd stick their head in the, in the locker, or if he really didn't like he'd stick his head in the toilet. Manuel was a brutal guy. I mean, I'm being, I'm being real with you now. And on that night, I called him Bushead three times. I was foolish. So let me get to the lessons of being streetwise. And here's what I learned about streetwise. Again, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't, I didn't know the gospel. But here's the three points that I wanted to bring about streetwise. And this is what I, I got. Know who your friend or your foe is. In some cases, your relative can be your foe like Cousin Bo. And me and Cousin Bo ain't spoken in about 40 years. Every time I go to Philadelphia, he doesn't want to see me because he made a bet with me that I wouldn't make it past basic training of the Air Force, and he has never wanted to pay up that $100 bet. So every time I come home, he doesn't want to see me. Now, here's are the things that a streetwise person learns. Know who your friend or your foe is. Dress to impress. Back then, being streetwise, relationally, people judge you by appearance. Is that still true today in 2017? Okay, I'm talking to the right crowd. 
Now, here's another streetwise point. Don't make promises you cannot keep. Find out what the old heads got to say about it. In other words, here's a scriptural reference to that. In a multitude of counselors, there's safety. Listen to those that have walked the trial before you. Be streetwise. I'm grateful that in this church we have a council, we have Pastor Bill, we have a women's minister, we got men's ministers, we got we got additional ministers that are part of our church, and there's a spirit of of wisdom in this body. I don't know if you I've been here four and a half years, and I'm amazed at the wisdom that is in this group. I'm amazed at the humility of this group. I'm amazed at the submission and the service of this group. Let me tell you, there's some wise old heads in this group. That's a a city vernacular from Philadelphia. That's a cranky Yankee vernacular from up north, you know. Uh, But here's one, and I'll close with this one. And I learned this one, not in the streets, but I learned this one in church. It applied. I remember going into those youth meetings, sometimes preaching in the youth in the early days, and then keeping an eye on the kids that were hanging out with my kids in the youth group. You know, I'm a parent and got to watch it. So here's what I remember. This is the last quote on the streetwise. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Now, I want to give you scripture to help you to be able to be streetwise. Proverbs 12:26. Proverbs 12.26 says, The righteous are careful in choosing their friends. Folks, your friends can determine your future. Be careful. Don't be led astray by bad company. You know what the Bible says. Bad company corrupts good manners. So choose your friends carefully. I'm going to tell you, the friends that I have in my church are all of you. I love all of you. But there's some of you that have really touched my heart. And one of them is Patsy Prince, because I know when I need a prayer, I go say, Patsy, in confidence, can you pray about this thing for me? When I need encouragement, my best friend is in this church, Dr. J.K. Carmichael. I love you, Kentucky. I really do. So that's being streetwise. Don't be foolish like Dominic in his youth. Take some practical advice. Now let's talk about being money-wise. I'm going to tell you something. We chase after money way too much. We've made money something to be worshipped, something to be the total focus of our life. Can I tell you, money is a bad idol to worship. I one time made a foolish business decision. But thank God that the Holy Ghost rescued me in my last hour. I don't know about you, if you remember the late 80s and 90s, there was this thing called timeshare. Some of you are looking at me, you know what I'm talking about. Timeshare. Well, guess what? I was stationed in Barksdale Air Force Base, Shreveport, Louisiana. And timeshare, I was a young Assembly of God preacher, and we had some great business people in the church, and one of them said, hey, Dominic, have you ever heard about timeshare? I said, yeah. He said, well, Dominic, you should, you should try some of that timeshare. Man, there's a place up there in Hot Springs, Arkansas, that got a timeshare. And me being a young preacher, kind of new to, to the 
life of finances. And I said, okay. He said, Dominic, matter of fact, this three-day weekend, this three-day weekend, you can drive on over there, and they will give you a great deal in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm a city kid from Philadelphia. I ain't never been that far up in the woods in Hot Springs, but there I went with Wanda. We get there, and, and they have this, they have the gimmick down. These, these business people, whoo, they were slick talkers. Oh, man. They were flash and dash. And every time someone would buy a timeshare, they would ring the golden bell. And then to make it real exquisite, they'd say, you ring the golden bell, we're going to give you a TV, and off you go. Sign right here. Well, I got caught up in the excitement of this timeshare. Went ahead and said, Wanda, this is a good thing, timeshare. The more you listen to a slick salesman, the less you should, you should be running away because he is promoting lies upon lies to get you to buy. Not all salesmen are described that way, but this guy was definitely that. And I got home. We drove four hours from Hot Spring to Shreveport, Louisiana, to meet this timeshare place. I get home. I, got, I rang the golden bell. I got the portable TV in the back seat of the car. I'm driving with the queen, Wanda, and we're getting home. And all of a sudden, I looked at Wanda, and that's when the Holy Ghost hit me. And I started, I, see, let me tell you how the Holy Ghost works with me. I don't know how he works with you, but the Holy Ghost takes away my peace when I'm messing up. I started to lose my peace, and I, and I had it right here in my, I just kept looking at Wanda. I said, man, you know what? That's the first time in my life I I, 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 I won't say the word because I'm not from that part of town, but it's called bam, being bamboozled. And I'm from Philadelphia. We call that ripping you off back home. See, but in the South, it's being bamboozled in the, in the Midwest. And I, I got a conviction of being bamboozled. I said, Wanda, how many days we have before this becomes a permanent deal? I thank God I married a lady that's organized, that's administratively gifted, that knows how to tell me financially where we're up to the penny. She's kept me out of more financial bad deals than I can recall. Next thing you know, I said, honey, we got three days before this become a permanent contract. I said, let me have that contract. I got in the kitchen table and I started reading everything. Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to have to pay for this for the rest of my life. I'll be 60 and 70s paying timeshare in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I'm not never going to go back there. We don't plan to ever live in Hot Springs. What was I thinking, Wanda? I said, honey, I try to tell you. Oh, man, worst thing that a guy can hear when the wife tells him, I tried to tell you. Because then all the blame goes on me. I mean, some of you guys that are married, you've never had that experience. Your wife has not told you. I tried to tell you before. Okay, some of you ain't even looking at me right now. Okay, I get the feeling. But here's what happened. Holy Spirit convicted me. I got up Monday morning because it was the federal holiday. And I said, I am driving up to Hot Springs. I'm going to give them their TV, and I'm going to void this contract. You know what? That's exactly what I did. And thank God I was financially wise because of the Holy Spirit leading me and me being obedient to the Holy Spirit and 
doing the right thing. You should always read a contract before you sign. Dominic was excited about ringing the gold bell and getting a TV and was about ready to mess his finances up. So let's talk about money wise. Then I'm going to get the Bible wise. Have more money coming in than going out. Good business, good practice. Have more money going in than, than going out. Another one is hate debt. That's my favorite. I hate debt. I really do. You know why I hate that? Because I saw some children. Mother and father didn't pay the bills, and they repossessed their car, their furniture, even took the kids' toys. I mean, these folks were heartless. They were, <laughs> they were collectors, collecting agency. I said, I'll never get myself in that situation. Thank God, by the grace of God, I never have. Be financially free as soon as possible. Here's one. Live on a budget. Can I tell you the greatest success of the Rodriguez family has been? We live on a budget. Not only that, I really believe in these three words. Put God first in your finances. Pay God first. Put God first is priority for focus. Pay God first, you're going to always be blessed. And there's a scripture for that, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor God with all of your possessions and give of your first fruits. Okay? So be money-wise, be street-wise. Now let's get to the Bible, where I really want to go. Bible-wise. I could go so many different emphasis and directions because the Bible's full of wisdom. And I asked the Lord to give me one. And the one he gave me is the one that is probably the most meaningful for me personally. It's Proverbs 11.30. He who wins souls is wise. You want to be Bible wise? Win souls. Only two objects are eternal in life. Only two will stand the test of eternity. The Bible says the word of God, 1 Peter chapter 1, 24 and 25. The grass wither, the flower faded, but the word of God endures forever. Okay? So the word of God is eternal. Folks, don't be throwing your life away and giving all your energy and focus on things that are just a passing through, a fleeting thing. But there's only two things that are eternal, the Word of God and the souls of men. Focus on both of those. And that's what Proverbs 11.30 does. He who wins souls is wise. We want to see this church fulfill its destiny. All of us have been given the same mandate. What did Jesus say when he went up to, to heaven? Be a witness. Where? Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. We are called to win souls for Christ. What's going to go to heaven? Souls. What's going to go to heaven and last forever? The Word of God. Folks, it can't be more sim I can't make it any more simpler than that. To be Bible wise, you got to win souls. All right. Let me emphasize this because this is going to hit you. 
You know, here's the question that you need to answer. Who will be in heaven because of your witness? I can tell you this much. After I see Jesus, I want to see my daddy. I helped win my father to the Lord. Uh, Domingo Rodriguez, my daddy gave me my, my beer, my first beer at 13. My daddy taught me how to dress to impress. My daddy taught me how to walk inside a bar and know how to scan the room and know who who's your friend and who's your foe. I'm going somewhere with this message. To be Bible-wise, he who wins souls. When my mama died, she prayed that my daddy would get saved. And mama was the first one to go to heaven. Anna Maria Rodriguez, my mama. They got married on December 17th, 1955. So this month, is month of December, makes me teary-eyed because had they lived, they would have celebrated 62 years of, wed- of marriage this 17th. But I remember mama always saying, you sow what you reap, son. You hang out with bad company, people are going to judge you that way. We have a Puerto Rican saying, tell me who you walk with and I'll tell you who you are. My mama would always tell me, Dominic, who you're walking with today? <laughs> she, she, she was a hawk. She could, she could spot me a mile away when I wasn't doing right. And I would tell her what she wanted to hear, and then I'd come home later on that evening, and then she'd tell me, son, that was not right what you did today. And I, I said, I'm sorry, mama. She said, be, be better than that. But my daddy, my daddy was a factory worker, a hard man at times. But my daddy was my hero. And then mama died. And I came to Christ a few months before my mother died. She prayed me into the kingdom. I don't know if you've ever had someone love you enough to pray for you every day of your life. I'm going to celebrate 60 end of this month. And I can say, and you've heard me say it before. There has not been a day of my life where I have not been prayed for. Wanda's mama took my mother's intercessory responsibility. My father-in-law, who's in his 90s, has done that. My wife, Wanda, prays for me. Many other people, some of you have prayed for me. I tell you, my wise living is that those prayers have finally penetrated into this heart. And the man of God that I am today, the preacher that I am today, the servant of the Lord that I am today, was because many people took time to pray for me. And as they prayed for me, I realized that daddy ain't saved. And I told my father, I said, Dad, you know what, what mama really wanted from, from you? It was not money. It was not you loving on her. It was not you treating her out to a nice restaurant. Mama just wanted you to know Jesus. And Daddy, life is short. You got to get right with God. And my daddy said, son, your Aunt Hilda, his sister, well, she heard it. I heard that you, God called you to be a preacher. Is that right? She said, yeah. We said, okay, Dominic. She said, I just came from Spain. 
to Puerto Rico. I'd just been married to Wanda about two years. And my daddy says, boy, your Aunt Hilda talked to her pastor. I'm going to finally hear you preach the word of God. I said, Daddy, I'm going to tell you right now, Daddy, i got to tell the truth. He said, boy, you might be sure you're Rodriguez. You can tell him. I said, Daddy, I'm going to tell the truth. My daddy drove me in his Monte Carlo. Daddy's dressed up all sharp and nice. I said, and my father-in-law's Pentecostal holiness. It's about prayer. It's about fasting. It's about praying. It's about being a servant, being humble. My daddy's proud. He's a Rodriguez man. And he comes in his Monte Carlo nice clothes. And he walks in the church like he owned the church, my daddy. Walked in there. And I walked with fear and trembling because God had given me a message that was going to be hard. <laughs> and I said, Daddy, I'm going to tell you before I get in the church, I'm going to tell the truth no matter what happens. He said, I raised you to tell the truth, boy. No, you didn't. But I preached. I preached on the man that gave me my first beer, which was my dad. And I... <laughs> He got so angry at me. I said, look, I come from a, a background, and I talked about all the things that we did wrong as as a family. My dad was trying to get out of the church. He was, If he could have ran and hit under the pew, he would have done that. <laughs> and then I got in the car, and this is what he did. He said, roll up that, roll up them windows, Dominic. <laughs> Boy, did you have to tell him all of that stuff? All of my failures and all of your failures? I said, Daddy, God delivered me from this stuff. I don't drink. When God called me to preach, I don't drink anymore. Yeah, I know, because I asked you to drink a few times, and you didn't want to drink with me. I said, no, Dad, it's not that. I want to live for God. I want to live holy. Dad... See, we can't do it our way no more. Our way is not going to get us to heaven, Dad. We got to go God's way. And after he chewed me out, we got home, and I never once raised my voice nor said anything disrespectful. I just took it. I mean, he tore me from the floor up. He chewed me out. That's the last time he ever chewed me out. Because every single time after that, he said, you know, tell me more about this, Jesus. Son, you're peaceful. I see your wife's happy. I see you go to church. Do you do this all the time? I said, every time the church doors are open, I can make it. I'm going to try to be at church. And sure enough, he got saved. And guess what happened? This man <laughs> that was loved to wear suits and everything, he became the church janitor. He became the church bus driver. He cooked meals for the poor. He got voted the last year of his life. He got voted the men's minister of the church in a Pentecostal church back there. And he said, son, before he died, he came to my Air Force retirement, 25 years, came to Nebraska. And he said, son, could you teach me how to study the Bible so I can get a sermon because the men's minister has to preach one sermon a year, and the pastor already told me it's going to be in August. So I taught my daddy how to 
do inductive Bible study method. We sat at the kitchen table. Karima and Alex were there watching their dad and their granddad learn how to study the Bible. And then dad is crying because he's thankful to God, the humility. My daddy was transformed to be a humble, loving servant of God. And I got to see that. And I was so pumped because God did the work in his heart. And then he, he did that for the last 17 years of his life. He lived as a holy man of God. The last 17, the Bible was he who wins souls is wise. Wouldn't my daddy is one of the greatest joys of my life. Because I know where he is when I die. I see him in heaven. But who's going to be in heaven because of your witness? Church, I'm running up and down here. It's not about the shout. It's not about the run. I'm not trying to get emotional. It's about are we doing what the Bible says? Are we having a good testimony where people, you don't have to necessarily do a lot of preaching to people. Matter of fact, don't do any preaching. Just love them and serve them. And then they're going to ask, why are you different? Then you can testify. But you got to first have a vibrant living. I mean, Here's where I'm at. I'm going to close with this. Because being wise, there was nobody but Solomon who was the wisest man that ever lived. In Ecclesiastes number three, he talks about a time. And as I reflected on wise living, I want us to know what season of life you're living. Well, and here's what the Lord gave me. Is it a time to yawn, or is it a time to yearn? Now that you won't see in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, time to pray, time to be born, time to die. But I want to give you a twist to that tonight. Is it a time to yawn, or is it a time to yearn in your walk with God? This is going to be my altar call tonight. Are you yawning or yearning in your walk with God? Let me explain that to you. Yawning means, oh, I'm bored. I'm disinterested. That's what yawning personifies. Are you disinterested in your walk with God? Are you bored with your walk with God? Are you yawning in your walk with God? Are you in that season in your life where you're yawning in your work and in the walk with God? God doesn't want that for you because yawning is going to lead to disobedience. Yawning is going to lead to indifference. Yawning is going to lead to rebellion against God, and eventually you're going to go to hell because you're yawning your life away in the things of God. I was getting quiet in here all of a sudden. I know I'm stepping on some toes because God's stepping on mine right now. <laughs> Dominic, make sure you're not yawning. Or are you yearning in your walk with God? Do you desire to do the will of God more than anything else in life? I'm here to tell you tonight. I'm yearning in my walk with God. And God, I want you to make me yearn some more in my walk in God. And you know how God's going to do that? Let me tell you how God's going to do that. When we come to church and we spend those three months in prayer, 
God starts to reveal our spiritual condition of our heart. He's going to say, this thing is producing yawning in you, Dominic. This is not productive. This is not fruitful. But Dominic, or Brother brother James, Brother Charlie, Brother Jakey, is your heart, is your walk with God tonight the one that you can say is fully yearning for God? I know for me, I still got a ways to go in yearning. But we need to allow God through the Holy Spirit to put that finger in that area of the season and the walk that we're in. Because God wants us all to yearn for him. So tonight as I close this message, are you yawning or yearning in your walk with God? That's the critical question. That's the key point. If nothing else you got from this message, ask yourself that question in your prayer time. So let's come to this altar and gather around in prayer as I'm going to ask Pastor Bill to come and and close it out and challenge us to be people that will seek to yearn for God. So let's come, let's gather around here and prepare our hearts. If you have a song, brother, go ahead and play it as our pastor comes. Away. 